maybe rearrange instead of trying to rearrange your training schedule, which could then compromise your whole season, maybe rearrange your race prioritization so that it best complements what you have at your disposal for training. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Matchbox Podcast powered by Ignition Coach Co. I'm your host, Adam Saban, and today we're answering some questions about base training and whether or not you should abbreviate your base season in order to transition into build or specialty phases sooner, as well as a question about the benefits of tart cherry juice, which sparked a whole conversation about supplements. Today's show is also brought to you by Flow Formulas. Tis the season for big fall adventures, and what better way to fuel those explorations than with Flow's new apple cider flavored endurance formula mix? Head over to flowformulas.com today to pick up some of this magical potion and use the discount code IgnitionPodcast10 for 10% off your first order. As always, if you like what you hear, please share this with your friends and leave us a five-star review. And if you have any questions for the podcast, drop us an email at matchboxpod at gmail.com with email title at the Matchbox Podcast, or head over to Ignition Coach Co. and fill out the Matchbox Podcast listener question form. All right, let's get into it. So this first question we've got from John, uh, and John says, I have two questions about the base season, so I guess it's the first two questions. Uh, Number one, in a previous podcast, I heard you guys say that shortening the base season is preferable to cutting short the build phase. I assume this means skipping the first base one block and just starting directly with the second base two block. How big of a deal is skipping this first block of base training? So start there. Did we say that? Uh, I mean, if you're in a real pinch. Must have yeah i mean if it let's say you have four months to prepare for an a race instead of five months which is more ideal then i guess i would probably give that advice but i am not usually giving the advice that it's just fine and dandy to cut months off of your base season yeah yeah so so let's you know so john references skipping first base one block and then talks about jumping directly into base two block um, I'm guessing maybe there's a base three block too that he you know that he would reference here. What what would you guys typically prescribe during let's call it base one block versus base two block versus base three block versus then the building phase? Like how how would those differ? Yeah, the way I do it is base one is just tempo. Base two is tempo with some intensity mixed in, so like some sprints a little bit of threshold, a little bit of VO2. And then base three is a focus on threshold, but like sub threshold. So like, <clears throat> you know, like 92 to hundred percent of intensity factor and maybe some like just over FTP, but like, but basically just focused on threshold. And then everything in build one, build two peak, all that, all of that's over threshold. So really the, the, the differentiation is all of your base phases are focused on the training intensities that are below FTP. And then once you hit build and higher, that's when I start to focus on the training intensities that are over FTP. That's how I do it. So, so for, for you in this scenario, uh, John would be missing out on mostly just straight tempo work. Yeah. Um, I may like do like a combination, like I'll, I'll combine base one and base two. So like maybe the first week he just does tempo and then he'll do two weeks of tempo with intensity. Um, okay. So you kind of like, yeah, you, you like... Kind of easing into it. Yeah, you, you mush them together. Um, and I feel like if we talked about this in the past, 
in an ideal situation, the how when this would apply, like when you would skip phase one, would be your second peak of the year. So this is assuming, because I'll do this a lot, where I've already put in a huge base season in the spring. I take like a mid-year break in July, let's say. I've already peaked. I've already gone through a big base. I've peaked. I take like a, a mid-year break, and then my next big race isn't so cross nats. And so it's like, yeah, I only have like four months, but I've already done a huge base season in the spring. So I'll just go back and do like one or two blocks of base to touch up on it. And then I'm right back into the build phase to, to kind of get sharp for cross again. So that's when I'll do like the shorter base season or I'll skip base one. And it's because I've already done a huge base in the spring. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes sense. That's pretty pretty common. What about you, Dylan? Um, I'm never really skipping base ever. Any <laughs> any part of base. Um, I mean, I you know there are people that that run into this situation where I, for some reason they're starting their training with not enough time before their a race. I think ideally, if you're planning stuff out, you should be giving yourself enough time. Um, maybe this person doesn't doesn't fall into that category, but. Um, I think that probably I was trying to think about, cause I, I don't know why I would ever say it's fine to skip a, a base block. Um, I think probably what we've said on this podcast is that starting too early, starting your base season too early is a huge mistake. Cause some people just think, oh, well, I'll just do five months of base and I'll be even stronger, which is often not the case. It just, usually what it means is that you're just more burnt out by the time racing comes. So what do you do? Cause I've always wondered this cause I've never, I've never done the like typical road thing where you finished your road season in maybe October, like kind of like the gravel is now and just trained all winter. Like I've always done cross. And so it's been a pretty clean cut. Like I figured out how to do that. But if big sugar this weekend was my last race, I'd kind of be like, what do I do? You know, like, well, okay. So just take you and I, as an example, uh, let's say this is your last race, which it's not your last race. You've got more cross races after this, but let's say big sugar was your last race. And then your next a race is unbound. Yeah. There's actually, Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. So there's actually the perfect there's, it seems like a really long time and you're like, what do I do with all that time? But there's, there's enough time to have a two week off the bike and then two weeks of building up in the gym. Uh, Mm. and then, or not two weeks, two months of building up in the gym and then three months of base and then two months of build. And then you're, you're into two months that you're building up the gym. You're just riding endurance, like no workouts. You're just getting out and riding. Well, I might do probably the big, that's probably the biggest difference. Yeah might do a little bit of intensity but it's not going to be <clears throat> heavy on the bike work like it's going to be a lot less volume and a lot less intensity than normal okay i gotcha yeah that's probably the biggest difference i usually take a two-week period off and then i'm only like doing the the unstructured riding for like two weeks and then i'm straight back into base one mm-hmm. okay so i'm going to kind of transition into john's the second part of john's question here because i think this provides a little more context into kind of what what he's getting at uh so john says so say you you had your base one block scheduled but the last two weeks of the block were need we're going to be completely off the bike how would you shuffle things around to accommodate this 
I asked because I want to schedule my training for next year, but if I start my base build in January, this would this would not have me done until the end of May, which seems a bit late. Starting training in December is difficult as I will be off the bike for two weeks over New Year's. Uh, thanks, John. P.S. Shout out to Adam for doing all the work. Uh, I don't do all the work. <laughs> just, just do just do some of it. Nice. Um, he knows. Yeah. So I think up. I I think. You know what? What John's running into here is he's almost got some like a end of season break that fall. You know would fall somewhere within his base training versus the off season, which I can see. You know where his dilemma is coming from here. Um, is, he, is he taking two weeks off in New Year's because he's going on vacation or something? Not because he's I, planning I not, it. Uh, I, I I do not know John personally, <clears throat> so I cannot speak for him. It seems like that. We don't yeah, even know why he's not riding. We just know he's I, not well, riding. Okay, like, but I guess I guess what I'm getting at is, does he think that that's beneficial, or is there a practical reason why he's doing that? Oh, it sounds like it's he just doesn't have a choice. Okay, if I had to guess, that's yeah. fine. That's fine. That's fine. Because I, you know, if he, if he thought like, okay, this is when I'm going to take my off my off season break, I'd be like, no, you need to be taking it way earlier than that. But if you don't have yeah, a choice, no, I, th- I think there's a, I think there's some conflicts there. Okay. You know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I so mean, my I, first question would be, uh, you know, John says starting training in December is difficult, but what, if, what if you started your base training in November, let's say, and then, you know, it seems that that seems a little early, but if you know, you're going to have two weeks off, then at least some of the adaptations you've already built for say six or eight weeks up to that point would transition or translate pretty well through that time off versus if you just train for two weeks and then you take two weeks off, it's probably a pretty even wash or even worse at that point. I also don't think that May is too late to, I mean, it depends on what your goals are, but there's so many good races after May. Like you don't have to target all the spring races. Yeah. Um, in fact, yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, back in, you know, 10 years ago when road racing was kind of, you know, you know, was definitely more popular than it is now. And there were a lot of big stage races or just, you know, omniums that took place in the spring and early summer. You kind of had to be forced into having good form coming out of spring. But yeah, I mean, like you're saying, there's a lot of really good racing that takes place from June through October. And I think a lot of people that have difficulties training through the winter because of either weather conditions or um, other obligations, I think they would benefit from just starting their race season a little later, you know, and, and racing maybe the second half of what would, you would consider the season instead of trying to either extend their season from the beginning to the end or targeting those early season races. Yeah, I feel like that's what I usually do. I usually like if I'm racing in March and April, those races I are C priority races and I'm still just training through my base <clears throat> and getting in as much volume mm-hmm. and like the mid south is always an early season race, and I just go there with like, yeah, I want to do well, but it's so early in the year. I'm not like peaking for the mid south. Um, and same goes for most other races in in March and April. I don't because like the cross season doesn't end till December. I'm like kind of in the same boat of like I'm taking my two week period off the bike in December, and I'm not really getting back into base training until February. So, like, realistically, I'm not going to be sharp and fast until, like, May or June, and that's fine. I mean, I think I think you just have to look at races 
prior to that a little bit differently of like, okay, I'm still in training mode. Like in my head, I have training mode and racing mode right now. I'm totally in racing mode, but from, from July all the way till September, I was in training mode. You know what I mean? And somewhere in there, like things start to switch and I'm like, I start to focus less on training and more on racing. And that yeah, probably happened still in race. May. You, you know, you're still racing during that period. You can still race while you're base training. You, you're just expectations of your performance are, are going to be more yeah, reasonable. Exactly. And you can still have fun too. And you should still try really hard. I, th- I think that's something people overlook as well is they think that they can only race once they're fully ready. And that's the only chance they have to like have a good time and try really hard. But you can still, I mean, some of my hardest races have been when I'm completely out of shape because I like it's challenging just to get through it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and those are fun too. And so, so, you know, I, I think for John here, it's, you know, kind of goes back to like maybe rearrange instead of trying to rearrange your training schedule, which could then compromise your whole season, maybe rearrange your race prioritization so that it best complements what you have at your disposal for training. My advice for him for the two week period in December when he won't have the bike is to dust off the running shoes or do something. I mean, I all like Dylan even just said like he'll hit the gym and I'll usually hit the gym and start running because the off season is perfect time to start do some cross training. And I think personally, I think there's a lot of benefit to cross training because uh, it makes you uh, like it's just different modes of training. Like all these, there's all kinds of like benefits from strength training that that um, are very different benefits from what you get from cycling. But running is like going to be very similar to cycling. So if you can like get somewhat adapted to running prior to those two weeks you're off the bike, you could maintain. I mean, you're going to maintain a lot more fitness if you run like every other day during that two weeks versus if you just don't do anything. And so that could be an option for like. I wouldn't try to do it to like build fitness, You're, but you could at least like minimize your losses during that two week period in December by doing some running while you're, while you're gone. Yeah. Great point. All right. Anything else to add there? No. Okay. Uh, we got one more short one here. Uh, and this one comes from Brian. So this one's maybe geared a little more towards you, Dylan, but uh, Brian wants to know what are the benefits of drinking tart cherry juice after a workout and are they significant at all? And Brian also wants you to do a YouTube video specifically on specifically tart cherry juice. Cherry juice. <laughs> you should probably well, you should probably mix your tart cherry juice with creatine. That'd be the way to do it. Just mix those two <laughs> things together. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so I have a whole video. It's it's a really old video at this point, but I do have a whole video on antioxidants and cycling performance, which I feel like is not that talked about. Um, but it's interesting nonetheless. And I believe that that is the whole reason why tart cherry juice is even a thing. Cause it's really high in antioxidants. Um, and it's, it, it helps with the recovery. I haven't, I don't know. I, I think I might've included some studies on tart cherry juice in that video, although it's been so long since I did it that I can't quite remember. Um, if there's some other weird benefits of tart cherry juice that I'm missing here, the, the uh, biggest, sorry, but the biggest benefit from tart, chart, t- <laughs> tart cherry <laughs> juice that people talk about is very, it's very, it's like the same thing with ice baths is it helps with inflammation, but then right. some people make the argument that 
inflammation is good and you want your body to be inflamed because it shows it's, 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 it's naturally recovering itself. Um, and there's always like, you can't, um, you can't jump. I feel like a lot of people jump to conclusions when they do things like this. Like they say that tart cherry juice, um, decreases inflammation. Therefore it's going to help me recover faster. And just because it reduces inflammation, I don't think necessarily means it does help with recovery in the grand scheme of things. Um, so uh, okay okay Drew, that's how i think of it drew oh i i'm i this is where this is where <laughs> this whole this is where this whole topic gets pretty interesting um okay i feel like i need to do a refresher video on this although it would probably not get very many views because not a lot of people even even associate antioxidants with performance so yeah antioxidants help fight inflammation and it's funny that people are jumping specifically on tart cherry juice because all fruits and vegetables have high levels of antioxidants. I don't want to say all because somebody's going to throw out some random vegetable that's low. But most, fru- <laughs> <laughs> most fruits and vegetables are high in antioxidants, right? So simply eating a lot of fruits and vegetables will increase the amount of antioxidants you're consuming. And it's the benefits of drinking tart cherry juice. I guess tart cherry juice is just very high in antioxidants. But it's not even the only fruit that's very high in antioxidants. Um, so it's it's also funny. It's like the um, drinking beet juice for the nitrates. Um, that's not the only vegetable that has nitrates. In fact, arugula actually has higher uh, nitrate concentration than beetroots and beetroot juice. Mm. Interestingly enough. Anyway, that interesting. Was a, oh, that was a tangent. But <laughs> so. Okay, so then there's this whole conversation about, uh, well, you need inflammation to make adaptations. Like you may recover faster, but you won't get as strong from that workout that you did because you're not making as many adaptations from that that workout because you needed the inflammation to make the adaptations. Um, So they've done research where they've given people super high doses of vitamin C and vitamin E and found artificial vitamin C and vitamin E, just supplemental. And they found that to be the case. These people don't make as many adaptations. They may recover faster, but they don't make as many adaptations as if they weren't to do that. So isn't that what I said? Wait, wait, wait. All right. So (laughs) this, this is where the question comes in is is consuming antioxidants from natural foods like fruits and vegetables going to hinder adaptation or is it going to both speed recovery and not hinder adaptation? They've done research on it and the answer to the question is it's the best of both worlds. It both speeds recovery and does not hinder adaptations. Natural food. Natural food. And I think if you get tart cherry juice in a glass jar and the only ingredient in it is cherries, wouldn't that be natural? Yeah, I think you would put that under that category. That'd be pretty close to the natural side of things versus processed. Right. Um, So, yeah, tart cherry juice, good. Uh, Also, tart cherry juice, not the only source of antioxidants that you can get by far. It's funny that people are latching on to tart cherry juice specifically. It's like you can just eat a diet that's super high in fruits and vegetables, and not only will it be great for your health, but you'll probably recover quicker as well. Yeah, and tart cherry juice is not 
inexpensive either. We need to convince Flow Formulas to come out with that custom ignition flavor, and it'll be tart cherry juice recovery flavor. That'd be pretty good. I think good. Th- doesn't uh, doesn't Flow put tart cherry? I think they do powder yeah. in their yeah. recovery mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so well, we need to flavor. We just the flavor <laughs> needs to be tart cherry, and it needs to be ignition branded. It'll be awesome. You know, I've never, I've actually never had tart cherry juice. I wonder if it's not even that good because it's so tart. I, I mean, I've had a fair bit of it. I, you, I personally like it. I, okay, I like, the, like it, the flavor yeah. profile of it. Okay. Uh, some some people find that they usually only take you know a couple of tablespoons. Uh, you know, that's you know that's what a serving is. Mm-hmm. So you're not like drinking an entire glass of it. But a, right. a lot of people have to mix it or dilute it with water in order to tolerate it. I've noticed that the cheaper the 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 cheaper the tart cherry juice, the less tart it is. Because <laughs> I've tried to get some like cheap, cheap ones before, and I'm like, this isn't even tart at all. Like I could drink yeah, the whole you bottle get the right stuff now. That's in, it's it's got to be in a glass bottle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for and, sure. And it's got to be like thirty dollars for that glass bottle. Yep, yep. It's so expensive. You know what I put? <laughs> you know what I put my oatmeal every morning is barberries. Most people Barbecue probably don't. Sauce? <laughs> yeah, barbecue sauce. <laughs> most people most people probably don't even know what barberries are, but they're one of the highest antioxidant fruits and they're just like Where little, where would you purchase such a thing? Uh I have to get them off of Amazon because my grocery okay. store doesn't sell them. Nice. They're, yeah, they're, hard, they're hard to find. Are they like dried? They're They've very like... sm- they're very small dry fruits and they're mm, okay. oh, they're kind of sour. Mm. But yeah. Is this your first bowl of oatmeal or your second bowl of oatmeal? Uh, I don't know. Both. <laughs> both. <laughs> nice. Uh, cool. Well, there you have it. Nice. Stay tuned for the tart cherry juice video to come out soon on YouTube. Maybe I'll do tart cherry and creatine video all in once. <laughs> yeah, but the two, I... are, the two are, I mean, they're both supplements, I guess, but the two are not really related in okay. what they do. Yeah, I know, but this is how I, I group all my supplements together. So when I was taking creatine, I would just wake up and mix my beta alanine and my creatine in the same cup. Is there, like, what if we, like, what if there's, like, unknown, like, what if I mixed tart cherry juice, creatine, and beta alanine, and then threw some, like, athletic greens or whatever in there? Like just have a concoction of supplements and drink it all at once. Like, is there? What's wrong with that? Is there anything wrong with that? Part of me is afraid that I don't it's going like so to explode. I don't, I don't know if there's anything wrong with that, but I think the thing to keep in mind is that, as I've said a million times on this podcast already, uh, performance supplements tend to not be additive. So if if one supplement gives you two percent and another supplement gives you two percent, that doesn't mean you get a four percent improvement. In fact you probably don't get much more than a 2% improvement. Yeah, but they're not subtractive either, so you might as well just do them all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Check right. all the bases, dude. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> no, now all I do is beta-alanine. Okay. That's all, yeah. Mainly just because well, I like beta-alanine. Like beta-alanine is a good one to do because there is research that shows that it actually works. And it's easy to do. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Doesn't seem like there's any negative benefits to, or I guess they wouldn't be benefits. Neg- there's no negativity downsides. Yeah, so yeah, there's no downsides to beta alanine other than except your, tingling and yeah. itching your head and you know you get used to it. It's kind of fun. I'm starting <laughs> to feel it right now because I had some right before this episode. Nice. My fingers are tingly. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and it maybe doesn't even need to go without saying because we have 
exhausted this point on the podcast before too, but if if you're not maximizing all of your maximal gains, something like spending $60 a month on tart cherry juice probably isn't where you need to be spending your focus. Your money would be your money would be well worth investing in a one-on-one coach with Ignition Coach Co versus <laughs> Tart Cherry Juice. Dude, why is Tart Cherry Juice so expensive? I don't understand. Because, it, because you probably they know need like these, a million cherries to probably because they know athletes will pay anything to get better, and so they're yeah. like, "We're gonna, we're gonna." It's it's gonna actually I. This. I mean, I mean, athletes use tart cherry juice for sure, but I, I think there's a lot. I think there are a lot of other health benefits that most non-athletes are, you know, consuming it for. Yeah, I mean, honestly, any fruit or vegetable that is super high in antioxidants is is incredibly beneficial for the entire human population. Like right. <laughs> most of the human population doesn't get enough antioxidants, and if they started consuming tart cherry juice. Or any number of other fruits, fruits and vegetables that are super high in antioxidants, their health would improve so much. How much tart cherry juice do you think is in red cream soda? Because I love me some red cream soda. I would say zero. Just <laughs> <laughs> come out with a tart cherry juice soda. There you go. That's the matter. Right, you got to combine unhealthy things with healthy things to make <laughs> yeah. them best of both worlds. Yeah, off, offset each other. Tart yeah. cherry juice honey bun flavor. Yes. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. <laughs> All right, sweet. Well, I got to get out of here. Okay. And there's creatine down, but... in the honey bun, too. Oh, snap. <laughs> That'd be the next gym craze. Like strength-building honey buns. People be eating them in the gym. Dude, gym bros, they only eat rice and chicken and broccoli. You didn't know that? Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> Maybe they you don't... can make rice and broccoli-flavored honey buns. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. All right. Okay, we'll see you guys. All right, see ya. See ya. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in for the latest episode of the Matchbox Podcast. Like I said at the beginning, you can send any questions or topic suggestions to matchboxpod at gmail.com with email title, the Matchbox Podcast. Links to each of our social media pages can be found in the show notes. Tune in next week for another endurance training-related discussion and learn more about how you can find that extra match for your next big event. Catch you all soon. Let's go. Ready to start working with a coach that'll make you faster? It's easy. Just go to the Ignition Coach Co. website and fill out our athlete form, and we'll connect you to the best suited coach for the job. You'll jump on a free consultation, determine if it's a good fit, and determine a start date. If you don't feel the vibes with that coach, well, then no sweat. We'll connect you to another coach that might be better. And then it's off to the races, or at least off to the training for the races. Don't wait any longer. Sign up today.